Hi, my name is Bethany Tolley, and this is my blog, The Doctrine Lady Blog. If you would like to read the text for any of my podcasts, please visit my website, thedoctrinelady.blog. And now for today's podcast. I see the meme everywhere. You are enough. And I agree with it. But as nice as it is to hear it from others, there comes a point where we all have to know for ourselves what our enough is our best. While external validation is both needed and welcome, it is not always available. And even more common is that we simply don't believe it or are afraid to believe it, even when we hear it from those who love us and even a few that don't. We're scrolling social media on a tough day and we see the quote, bright and bold, Quote, you are enough, end quote. And it brings a tear to our eyes and a tug to our heart. But how am I really? Or we're lunching with a friend or a sibling. And after dumping out our frustrations, doubts, and worries, they tell us, don't worry, you're doing your best, just hang in there. Then our soul cries out in doubt. If I'm enough... How come I don't feel like I'm doing my best? How come I don't feel like I'm enough? How come I can think of all the ways I could have been better? Recently, one of my college kids expressed concern that he wasn't doing his best with the enormous amount of adulting, religious duties, and school pressures he had. He is very good at self-evaluating and had already identified areas where he could improve and was making efforts. But he wasn't as good as he could imagine himself being every day. Some days he did great. Others he just got by. Some he felt were totally unproductive. And it was those getting by and unproductive days that concerned him and brought his spirit down. This being enough and doing my best is something that I struggled with for years. I eventually found my answers in my own personal peace that get me through when I'm tempted to despair. Yet, no matter how hard I tried to reassure my college son, I couldn't seem to pass on my own testimonial to him. My witness to him that he was doing enough and doing his best, wasn't transferring. He didn't believe it, or more likely he was afraid to believe it. It seemed to me that he felt that if he accepted an effort that was less than he imagined it could be, then he would fail or get worse or learn to ignore things that needed improvement. It appeared to me that he felt that by accepting less than optimum efforts, he was allowing himself to regress rather than to progress. At some point, we all have to find our own answers and personal peace. How to know we're enough, no matter how good or bad our day. After talking with my son and knowing that so many people 
struggle to internalize this often spoken truth. You are enough. I set out to interview many of my own family members. I wanted to know how they would have reassured my son if it had been them talking with him instead of me. I asked them questions like this. How do you know when you've done your best on any given day? Is it possible for your best to be different depending on the day? How do you know when you've done enough or that you are enough? Is it impossible to improve? Or are you destined for failure and misery if you are willing to accept a day's effort that is less than you imagine it could be? So how would you answer these questions for my son? How would you answer them for your loved ones? How would you answer them for yourself? The enough of an athlete. When I took these questions to my husband, Luke, he replied with an excellent parable. He talked about the idea of enough with regard to an Olympic athlete. Consider, a high-performing athlete trains every day. However, they do not train the same every day. They have days where they push themselves hard, testing their muscular and aerobic limits in order to challenge and strengthen their muscles, increase their aerobic capacity, and to maintain and improve mental strength and confidence. They also have days where they rest completely or train at a very low level. These low impact days are necessary to avoid injury and to allow the challenged muscles and aerobic capacity to recover and increase. Without this recovery time, pushing themselves daily at an Olympic or best performance level would only lead to injury and regression. Many high-level athletes cross-train. Spending time doing sports that are different from the one they compete in at various levels of intensity. When these athletes cross-train, they have a specific purpose. To work different muscles and to strengthen their entire body in different ways to support and enable their increased performance in their chosen sport. Cross-training allows them to avoid overtraining or straining the muscles they depend on for competing. The, quote, best or enough of a high-performance athlete is not the same every day. In fact, it's very different on a day-to-day -day basis. If they tried to break records every day, never resting or cross-training, they would actually get injured more often and spend more time recuperating than progressing. They would regress by trying to do their Olympic best every day rather than progress. Athletes also spend a great deal of time visualizing their competition performances. They spend time just imagining what their best looks like, how they will respond to competitors, how they will take off, how they will finish, how they will deal with adversity during the competition, etc. They self-evaluate and visualize mentally as well as training physically. But this imagining their best 
is not about beating themselves up for not being able to perform at their peak performance on non-competition days. It's not about that at all. This visualizing is about pondering on their off days so that they are prepared for and can do their best on competition days. I think of Moses the prophet on two different occasions. Okay, On one occasion in Moses 1, in the Pearl of Great Price, he communed with the Lord. Moses communed with the Lord for a long time. And afterward, he passed out for many hours. How many hours? A few? A day or two? We don't know. But upon waking up, he said, Now, for this cause, I know that man is nothing, which thing I never had supposed. That's Moses 1, verse 10. Directly after this experience, Satan came tempting Moses, and Moses felt the reality of his mortal weakness. He overcame Satan's temptations, and then thereafter continued to commune with God. But it is important to know that Moses was not able to commune with God nonstop. He passed out. He needed a mortal break. His weakness was also brought to bear in the face of adversity and temptation. Another time in Exodus 18, verses 14 to 24, Moses was visited by his father-in-law Jethro. And Jethro noticed how Moses was sitting alone from morning till evening trying to help the people. There was, from morning until evening, an endless line of Israelites lined up to see and talk to Moses. Jethro asked Moses, Why sittest thou thyself alone, and all the people stand by thee from morning until even? And Moses answered Jethro, Because the people come unto me to inquire of God. When they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another, and I do make them to know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses was doing good things. He was not sinning. He was doing daily Olympic spiritual prophet work. But even so, Jethro said, The thing thou doest is not good. Thou wilt surely wear away both thou and this people that is with thee, for this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. So what Jethro was saying was, look, performing at the spiritual and physical and mental level every day is going to cause eventual regression, Moses, not progression for both you and the people. Jethro continued to counsel Moses to call other men to preside over groups of the people and to settle smaller matters and to answer smaller questions so that only the large matters came to Moses. Jethro told Moses to have the Lord validate his suggestion. He wanted him to go to God and say, tell him my idea, tell him, find out if he agrees. God did validate Jethro's counsel. Moses was trying to do more than was spiritually and physically possible for him. So it's clear from my husband's parable with the athlete and from Moses' example in the scriptures that none of us are capable of performing at our Olympic spiritual capacity 24-7 or our mental or our physical. In Mosiah 4.27, we are told that it is not requisite that we run faster than we have strength. We may want to perform at that Olympic capacity every hour of every day. We may be even able to imagine ourselves doing so, but we are mortal and we cannot. Moses 1 verse 10. 
Thus, like Moses and like the Olympic athlete, we must understand that being at that Olympic spiritual, mental, and physical level requires divine grace from God. Moses was actually transfigured so that he could commune with God. He didn't actually do it by himself. So when we need it, God will help us to have that high functioning capacity. But on the days that we don't have to run a spiritual or physical marathon or knock door to door looking to share the gospel, we are only asked to meet spiritual minimums as we maintain and occasionally test our spiritual limits. I wrote a blog about spiritual metal, and if you go to the blog for this podcast, there's a link to that blog. So when I talk about spiritual metal, I'm referring to that blog. So our spiritual metal, M-E-T-T-L-E, is what we are seeking to maintain our current performance capacity and to also daily strengthen it little by little. Then there will be days where God will enable us to commune with him and to represent him at a high level. And because of our regular, lesser daily training, we will have the ability to be aided by him. So, do you see an interesting comparison here between us and Moses or the Olympic athlete? The opinion of God. Next, my husband and I took the questions that I asked previously to another son who has just recently graduated high school. And his answer was rather interesting. I understood what he said as follows. He said, well, since we can always imagine how we might have been better retrospectively or looking back at our day, our opinion will often be negative and inaccurate. So the only way to know if we're enough each day is to ask God's opinion. In James 1.5, we learn, If any of you lack wisdom, let him or her ask of God, that giveth to all liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him or her. So if we really want to know if we have given enough today, or any day, we can ask the Lord. Was my effort this day acceptable to thee? And if we would like to do better tomorrow or in the future, we can ask. What lack I yet? Just like the man in Matthew 19.20. And God will guide us in ways to improve at a pace that we can handle. So my husband and I celebrated this answer from our high school age son. But then the point was made further in the discussion. Often we don't want to hear from God that he accepts our day, especially if we don't want to accept it ourselves. So here we are back at the main source of the struggle, us. If even God himself tells us that he accepts our day and what we gave, no matter how poor of an effort we feel it was, can you and I accept it? Can we accept it when God says, I accept your efforts today, it was enough? So our discussion continued on this topic with our son. Why is it that we don't want to accept what God accepts. Why are we so hard on ourselves, even after our Father in Heaven tells us it's okay? Why do we have to continue to beat ourselves up, a sort of mental self-harm, until we feel sufficiently punished? One possible answer to this that we discussed 
is that we don't have faith in or truly believe in the atonement of Jesus Christ. If we truly have faith in and believe in the grace of Jesus Christ, then we will accept God's answer. And there are references for this in Mark 5, 36, 9, 23, and 24. So those are both in Mark. And then Alma 32, 27. We accept that he accepts what we gave today. Unbelief. This is important. Unbelief is the only way that we can lose out on the comfort of God telling us we are enough. Alma 32:28. Belief and exercising our faith are the only way that God's opinion of our efforts can bring us peace and comfort and enable us to bear fruit despite our imperfection. Alma 32 verses 34 to 43. So, do you believe? Do you really believe and have faith in the grace of Jesus Christ? Can you accept it when God tells you that he accepts your efforts for the day? Can you accept it when he forgives your sincere repentance? The friendship and presence of God. So I took both of these responses to my college-age daughter and was surprised that her conclusion from her own struggles on this topic was very similar. But her answer added to it just a little bit more. She more or less concluded from her own experiences the following, which I will paraphrase. She said, no matter how my day went, if I feel like God is still with me at the end of the day, then I know I did my best, that it was enough. If he hasn't left me, if I can still feel his love and closeness, then I know I was enough today. Have you ever had a really terrible day where you felt that you failed at almost everything spiritual and temporal, and yet you still felt God close? Did you wonder, how can he be with me when I'm doing so poorly? I have myself often entertained my negative feelings about my weak efforts or mistakes to the point where I can't feel God next to me because I'm blocking that feeling with my own self-deprecation and mental self-harm. I create my own pavilion, blocking access to his comfort and his reassurance. And that sentence I take from a talk where is the Pavilion by Henry B. Eyring from the October 2012 General Conference? Um, it talks about how we hide from God. He never hides from us. And I, I have done that. And I have probably do it more than I'd like to admit, where I allow my feelings of my own disappointment and myself block him trying to tell me I'm okay. The sacrament prayers are very clear that if we always remember Christ and take upon us his name, that we will always have his spirit to be with us. Doctrine and Covenants 20 verses 77 and 79. So if we are trying, even if we can imagine a more optimum day, which we all can, God accepts our efforts if we are trying. I think perhaps the only way to be unacceptable to God is to quit. For, quote, I know by this, that unless a man shall endure to the end, he cannot be saved, end quote. From 2 Nephi 31.16. God accepts our efforts, not because they are perfect, 
but because we have not given up. We have faith in Jesus Christ. And because we are willing to continue despite our imperfection. Again, because we have faith and confidence in the atonement and grace of Jesus Christ. Being enough in good times and bad. It seems to me that it feels like in good times, when we're performing at our spiritual and temporal Olympic best, we don't struggle as much to feel that we are enough. It is, at least for me, during the really hard times that I struggle and doubt my enoughness. Did I give my best today? Jeez, it seems like I lost all the progress I've made in the last year just today. Maybe I'm not doing enough since my life is so hard right now. Or because this trial isn't ending. Maybe if I were better, my life would have less difficulty. Maybe God didn't grant that miracle because I wasn't enough. It is important to know that feeling like we are enough, despite really rough days, takes time. It takes consistent trust in and willingness to accept the comfort of the Spirit. When God says, I accept your efforts today, we have to practice saying, okay, and not continuing to mentally self-harm ourselves. We have to take action toward accepting his opinion and his consistent presence by our side. We have to practice accepting God's opinion. We have to purposefully recalibrate what we define as an enough or best day. We have to take into account our mortality. We have to take into account our need for rest, recreation, and recovery time. I have often said the phrase, don't waste grace. Let me say it again. Don't waste grace. Because I used to waste it. I used to metaphorically throw my whole day in the trash if I made mistakes in the morning or afternoon or right before bed. Denying that grace could help me change my momentum and that the rest of the day could be or was wonderful. When we are determined to deny that grace accepts our efforts, whether those efforts are pretty or ugly, and most of mine are pretty ugly, we are wasting grace. We are wasting the joy that we have been designed to have. 2 Nephi 2.25 and 27. Being enough doesn't mean that we haven't made mistakes or that we don't need to repent and make plans for trying to improve each day. Being enough means accepting that being enough is repenting and continuing to try to improve. If you trust in God and are willing to keep trying via repentance and accepting God's gift of comfort, then that is what enough is in good times or bad. Being enough is being sanctified, not perfect. And I have a blog link to that, to a blog I did previously called Sanctification, Not Perfection. So let me say that one more time. Being enough is being sanctified, not perfect. You are enough. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to read more of the things that I blog about, please visit my website, thedoctrinelady.blog, and I'll see you there.